Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Danny Parkin Show. Welcome back into the Danny Parkin Show, CBS Sports Radio, the radio.com app, Sirius 206. Looking forward to talking to this guy. Never had him on the show, but he's wildly entertaining on Twitter. At Voice of the Star, covers the NFL and more specifically the Cowboys based out of Dallas for CBS Sports. Patrick Walker on the Danny Parkin Show. What's up, Patrick? Thanks for the time, man. Thanks for reaching out, Danny. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. So how the hell do you explain that performance by the Cowboys today? I think it's a situation where they they got confident in that they were going to learn from the mistakes uh, that were made against the New Orleans Saints in week four, and rightfully so because they weren't glaring errors uh, that would you know disqualify them from being a potential uh, Super Bowl contender or a team that could potentially make a deep playoff run. Um, but again, Aaron Rodgers turned out to be the arch nemesis. Uh, this was a game that was very winnable for the Cowboys. Obviously, Devontae Adams was not in the game that should have allowed them to shrink the field and force the game on Aaron Jones. But, you know, uh, key injury on that uh, defensive front, Antoine Woods not there at the one tech, still injured, probably won't be back until next week with that knee injury. And Aaron Jones just really took advantage of that. And the Packers gashed the Cowboys, Aaron Jones, obviously four touchdowns that allowed Aaron Rodgers to uh, be Aaron Rodgers. And he wasn't sacked until later in the game. The pressure couldn't get to him. So at the end of the day, this is a, a Cowboys team uh, that has now suffered more than one slow start. And, and you look at the totality of this um, contest against the Packers, aside from the late game rally, and even that was uneven and inconsistent. This was the messiest um, offensive outing from the Cowboys. And you can't put this on offensive coordinator Kellen Moore. Uh, Danny, because the, the scheme was fantastic. You look at how the Cowboys were dicing up the Packers to begin the game, but that player execution, you know, you talk about drops from Amari Cooper that ended up with interceptions and poor throws from Dak Prescott and so forth and so on. And they were basically just asleep for most of the game. And by the time they woke up, it was too little, too late. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you and you, you're closer to him obviously than I am, but I was pretty skeptical of the Cowboys coming into this game. I, I thought that they got a little overrated because they beat up on, you know, Washington and the Giants and the Dolphins, and then they play the Saints in the Superdome, only one touchdown, and then the Packers come in and have their way with them. And yeah, the game ended up being fairly close, but I think that score wasn't really indicative of the game we saw. Do you think the Cowboys got overrated by beating up on bad opponents? I would say yes now uh, if you look at the fact that they're now on a two-game losing streak. Um, and I said last week when they lost against the New Orleans Saints um, that, I mean, that's a 12-10 contest. And, the you know, that was a battle of, of Super Bowl caliber defenses in that game that held both opposing offenses to low-scoring uh, outputs. But then you look at what happened here against the Green Bay Packers, and that, that defense was nowhere to be seen. 
Uh, they did nothing to stop the pass. They did nothing to stop the run. They struggled to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And like I mentioned, they didn't get the first sack on him until midway through the fourth quarter. It just was not the same defense. Um, so now if you're going to have an offense that is still kind of working out the, the kinks under a first-year offensive coordinator like Kellen Moore, you're going to have to have the defense be consistent every game and carry you just in case you make um, those slow starts or you make those errors that you saw the Cowboys make. But you can't go up against uh, an NFC opponent led by Aaron Rodgers and have a, a poor game offensively and defensively. So now there's not much of an expectation um, for next week outside of them doing what they should definitely do, which is just blow the, the New York Jets out of their own stadium uh, in MetLife. But um, if they don't do that, uh, not only are there you know growing concerns beyond that, now you have to wonder, is this even a playoff team? I still have them as a playoff team. I still think they can take the NFC East, uh, but they're going to have to run right through the New York Jets, and then they're going to have to face um, their biggest opponent thus far, which is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles, who right now are at 3-2 and two alongside them at the uh, top of the NFC East. Patrick Walker is our guest. He covers the Cowboys for CBSSports.com at Voice of the Star on Twitter. So help me out with Dak Prescott because I look at his numbers over the course of his career and it's the same guy every year. You know, it's 35 to 3,800 passing yards, 22 or 23 passing touchdowns, 300-something rushing yards, six rushing touchdowns, good completion percentage, but fairly safe throws, not a ton of interceptions. And he's done all of that with the best offensive line in football. And for a big percentage of his career, a legitimate number one, whether it was Dez at the beginning or Amari Cooper for last year and the start of this year. Like, I feel like he's been put in this unbelievably advantageous situation where a lot of quarterbacks would perform at the level that he has or, frankly, outperform him. And I'm not saying the Cowboys shouldn't pay him because devil you know versus devil you don't. But if you took Dak Prescott out of the Cowboys situation and dropped him somewhere else, I don't think we would talk about him like he's this great football player. How do you think he is as a talent independent of the situation that's around him? I think Dak Prescott has the ability to be one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. We've seen him go on stretches these past couple of seasons um, that put him uh, at an MVP caliber uh, of play. Uh, And you're talking about, you know, uh, 2018, 2017, that first uh, few games before they lost uh, Tyron Smith, then Ezekiel Elliott to that six-game suspension. And, and he was right there with Carson Wentz at that time in 2017 and had another strong 2018. And then I think that you saw him take a step up uh, in 2019 under Kellen Moore. And then they brought in quarterback coach John Kitna, which has uh, done wonders for the fundamentals of Dak Prescott footwork, um, you know, being able to manipulate his hips and his core, uh, his shoulder uh, manipulations as far as his pump fakes, they, they've become elite. Um, I think you look, you're looking at games right now, and I hesitate to, to say this, but I'll say it because I don't want it to come off as a framing uh, uh, of being an apologist for what happened tonight because what happened against the Green Bay Packers was just egregious. I, that game can't happen if you're the Dallas Cowboys. That said, speaking specifically on Dak Prescott, he did look off today, but you look at the offensive line, they didn't have Teron Smith. Backup swing tackle Cam Fleming absolutely got destroyed uh, by those Packers edge rushers, as, as did Lyle Collins, who was battling a uh, back issue coming into the game, did not practice twice this week. Although he did start, he ended up leaving the game uh, before its conclusion. And then that put in, you know, an undrafted rookie, Brandon Knight, on the right edge. And again, 
Fleming just got absolutely mauled. Prescott, the pressure was on. Uh, the offensive line was not there. It was very porous tonight, um, and it led to him being sacked three times. Then I think he went back to the shell-shocked version of Dak Prescott we saw on the second half of the 2017 season uh, after what Jerry Jones refers to as the burning of Atlanta when he was sacked seven or eight times uh, right. In, uh, right down there in North Georgia. So I think that his success is – I should say it this way, uh, a sound and stout offensive line is paramount to the success of Dak Prescott. And is that a knock to him? I don't think that it is because it's paramount to, you know, the major to the success of the majority of starting quarterbacks in the league. That's why you have an offensive line. You want to keep your quarterback up right now. Obviously, there are anomalies, Aaron Rodgers being one of them, unfortunately, for the Cowboys. And Dak Prescott can be as well. He showed that he has mobility and he can escape the pocket. Um, but in a game like this, uh, you look at the the absence of Smith and the uh, the injury that Lyle Collins was battling through, and they just couldn't get it together across the offensive line. And it also showed with Ezekiel Elliott not being able to really hammer at a Packers run defense uh, that has been uh, horrible up to this point. So I think that this is a step back for Dak Prescott. But on the whole, I still believe that he is the guy for the Cowboys, and I still believe that he can be an elite quarterback but all the pieces have to be there for him, which, again, may not necessarily be a knock to him because you want to put all the right pieces around your quarterback no matter who your team is. What is it going to look like when Jerry Jones ultimately pays him? Well, based on sources, or I should say conversations that I've had with sources that have knowledge of the situation, right now it's uh, it's on the deck Prescott's hands. Uh, they, the Cowboys have an offer in front of him, which is, to my understanding is either the second or third offer. They've been trying to get him on paper uh, for a long-term deal ever since uh, a few days after they locked down Demarcus Lawrence on his five-year, $105 million deal in late April. But they've not been able to achieve that for the same reason they've not achieved it with Amari Cooper, and that's because Cooper and Desca Des I'm sorry, Prescott are both uh, allowing the market to come to them. Now, obviously, with the deal uh, setting the ceiling with Russell Wilson and now Golf and Wentz both uh, adjusting the floor, the window is there for Prescott to get paid. The discrepancy, though, although I'm hearing that they are pretty much on the same page when it comes to average annual salary, um, it's the term, it's the length of the potential contract. I think Prescott wants to run short around four years, which gives him an opportunity to renegotiate for another contract after the new CBA hits, which could really make some deals go through the roof for a lot of players around the league. But I think the Cowboys want to marry him um, to a player like Ezekiel Elliott, uh, who just signed a six-year extension, put that on top of his two years that he was already on the contract. That's an eight-year deal. And if you get seven years out of that plus this year, that's eight. So there's your tandem right there. Um, for the next eight years. I don't know that Dak Prescott is willing to do that just yet. And if so, the Cowboys are going to have to make concessions with things like the guaranteed money. Um, and if they are able to land a seven-year deal, obviously by virtue of uh, the amount of money he's making, it would be the largest deal in NFL history. But is anything imminent right now? No. Are they close? Yes. But they're only as close as Dak Prescott wants them to be. He could sign in the next five minutes, or he could wait until next season to sign. So that's kind of where that situation is right now. Patrick Walker covers the Cowboys and the rest of the NFL for CBSSports.com at Voice of the Star on Twitter. You mentioned the you think the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC East. Give me a tale of the tape between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Where do you see you know the differentiating factors and where each team is uh, better or weaker than the other? 
I think right now it, they're they're really neck and neck at the moment. But I think the Eagles are going to have the edge when it comes to uh, quarterback play, and that's simply because uh, you have Carson Wentz, who's also talented, obviously, but he has you know Doug Peterson there, which is you know not so arguably a quarterback guru. You've seen what he's uh, been able to do in his time with the Philadelphia Eagles. And as long as Carson Wentz stays healthy, and I said this uh, coming into the season, and I'll continue to stand on this hill, if the Eagles uh, can keep Carson Wentz upright and he's healthy, that's the team that's going to challenge the Cowboys and make it a two-horse race for the NFC East. Uh, but quarterback edge, I give to Carson Wentz. He's more of a, a, a refined pocket passer over Dak. Dak is obviously still uh, working on the fundamentals. Looks good under John Kitten as quarterback coach but still has to make a few more steps. I think Carson Wentz was more ready coming into the league as a pocket passer. Uh, the defensive line right now, as we have this conversation, I'm going to give it to Philadelphia, and that's simply by virtue of the uh, injury issues that the Cowboys have had. Obviously, they got Tyrone Crawford back this week uh, against the Packers, but he didn't really do much because he's still battling hip bursitis that might end up uh, requiring surgery. They're trying to figure out if that's going to be the case. They've been without Antoine Woods for now the past three games. They're starting nose tackle, uh, and that can't be dismissed out of hand. Uh, they didn't have Robert Quinn for the first couple of games due to suspension, so they're still kind of working out some things. Demarcus Lawrence is battling through some injuries. So as it stands, the healthier and the better defensive line goes to uh, the Eagles, but I think that the Cowboys' secondary uh, you know, this game against Aaron Rodgers notwithstanding, I think they're light years beyond what's going on uh, with the Eagles. And obviously when you have to re-sign a guy that you recently cut, like Orlando Skandrick, simply to have bodies on the field because they're so decimated with injuries. Uh, and then you look at the fact that even before Ronald Darby was injured, he was not playing up to snuff. If you go back and you look at the film from the Atlanta Falcons game, for example, uh, I think the Cowboys secondary has the edge there. Um, so right now, Danny, to be honest with you, it's neck and neck. Uh, I could give you uh, some pros and cons for each team that would pretty much put them right next to each other. Uh, I still think the Cowboys can come out of this uh, season with a div uh, you know the divisional win in the NFC East. But again, all eyes now and not looking past the Jets. And I will say this again, as long as the Cowboys can blow through the Jets like they're supposed to, that game, that Week 7 contest against the Eagles – in all likelihood, could end up telling us who the uh, crown is going to go to in the NFC East. Great stuff. You got you really know your stuff, man. It's uh, it's good Twitter content as well during Cowboys games. At Voice of the Star on Twitter, CBSSports.com is where you can find him. Patrick, and that's Patrick with no C, Walker. Patrick, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate you. Oh, it's definitely fun talking to you. Thanks for reaching out, Danny. Have a good one. Yeah, of course. We're going to do it again. The Cowboys will obviously uh, continue to be a story. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studio. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you, too. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Well, we were talking to Patrick. Hell of a turn of events in Sunday Night Football. Colts on top of the Chiefs, 16-10, to 10, with the ball, under five minutes to play. Chiefs had third, and I believe it was 28 from their own five-yard line or so, picked up 26 yards, went for it on fourth down with, with their timeouts left, fourth and one and a half or so, and ran the ball up the middle instead of putting the ball in Pat Mahomes' hands or punting, given that they had all three timeouts left. And ran the ball up the middle. And who, stu who stuffed the Colts' fourth down attempt? None other than Justin Houston. 
who the Chiefs decided not to pay in the offseason. Justin Houston's had a monster game for the Colts and has been screaming at the Chiefs' sideline every time after uh, he makes a play. So Chiefs now using their timeouts on defense. Colts on the plus side of the field, up 16-10. to 10. One more score, and this thing is wrapped up, and the Colts would pull off one of the biggest upsets of the early NFL season. Colts as an 11-point underdog on top of the Chiefs, 16-10 to 10 with 4 minutes and 17 seconds left. We're doing an NFC East hour, though, until Sunday night football ends. We just talked Cowboys and a little Eagles with Patrick Walker, 855-212-4227. I'll make the case for the Dak Prescott regression and uh, weigh in on who I like more in the NFC East, Dallas or Philly, coming up. And then what the hell is going on with football in our nation's capital? Because it feels like skins fans have become completely apathetic. Craig Hoffman covers the team. He'll join us in just over 20 minutes. It's the Danny Parkin show, CBS sports radio. Now back to the Danny Parkin show. Yeah, you are. And I appreciate you for it. CBS sports radio's toll free line is 855-212-4227 brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Two minutes and 19 seconds left. Sunday night football, Colts on top of the Chiefs, 19-10. to 10. Chiefs, no timeouts with the ball at their own 44-yard line. Going to take a touchdown, an extra point, uh, an onside kick, and a made field goal for the Chiefs to have a shot and not being upset in this one. Cam Irving back up. Offensive lineman for the Chiefs stepped on Pat Mahomes' ankle early in the game. He had 157 yards on his first two drives. Hasn't been the same since. Has been gutting it out, but a surprising low-scoring game where the over-under was 55. 855-212-4227. I think that Dak Prescott, as we're talking NFC East this hour, is good but not great but he's going to get paid like he's great. And that's going to hamstring the Cowboys. The Seahawks had to break up the Legion of boom when they paid Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson is great. Russell Wilson is arguably the second best quarterback in all of football. Dak Prescott is not. He's never had a 4,000 yard season. He's never had a 30-touchdown season when you combine passing and rushing touchdowns. He's never had a 24-touchdown season just with passing touchdowns. And he plays every game, which is a great trade. Like Dak Prescott deserves to be paid. Dak Prescott's good. Dak Prescott's got all the intangibles. You can win with Dak Prescott, but we saw it today. Lyle Collins hurt, playing through it, but not as effective. Tyron Smith injured all of a sudden three picks, three sacks gets hit five other times downright pedestrian. I happen to think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC East. I think they got the better coach than the Cowboys. I think they got the better quarterback than the Cowboys. Their run defense is better than the Cowboys and Eagles would be undefeated if they had been healthy this year. Now injuries are a part of football but Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, they've had a tremendous amount of problems with, with injuries, both in the, you know, Tim Jernigan on the defensive line, uh, Ronald Darby and Avante Maddox at corner. And then they've had drops in uh, both of their losses earlier in the year. 
Eagles easily could be undefeated. Instead are sitting at three and two. I think that week seven game Eagles and Cowboys will be fun. will be fascinating. will feel very big. Assuming both teams get to that game at four and two Eagles have the Vikings Cowboys have the jets. And then that game is Sunday night football in Dallas. But here's the other thing about the Cowboys. And I don't know if Cowboys fans would take umbrage with this, but you don't really have a home field advantage at Jerry world. Cowboys stadium is awesome. I've been there for a college football game, but whenever I watch the Cowboys play a big game at home against the team with a good fan base, I always see fans from the opposing team ball out. Today, there was a go pack, go chant when the Packers were on offense. It's because the stadium is so big and there's not huge groupings where a bunch of people are together because there's so many different levels that it's not that loud. And then it's such a destination and there are so many tickets that it's not hard for Giants fans, Eagles fans, Packers fans, Chiefs fans, Steelers fans. It's not hard to get tickets to Cowboys Stadium. So if your fan base is good and your fan base travels, everyone wants to go see the Cowboys play on the road. Everyone wants to go see AT&T Stadium. And so it's not a very good home field advantage. It's not intimidating. It's not loud. Everyone's offense can operate well there because it's, you know, field turf. So the Cowboys are wildly talented. Don't get me wrong. They can beat anybody on any given day. They are a very talented team. But they just have a low ceiling because of coaching quarterback in the in the long term. On a given game, they can be great, but I'm just not impressed with Dak Prescott. He's like the poker player who always gets dealt pocket aces, pocket kings, pocket queens. And you're like, oh, wow, you're a great player. Yeah, those hands can lose, but it's much tougher to win when you get dealt 9-7 of clubs than when you get dealt pocket kings. Dak Prescott's been dealt pocket kings his entire career, and he's been fine. Not great, not bad. He's good. And so he'll get paid, and then the Cowboys will have to make some choices. Not that they won't be able to pay Amari Cooper. They will. But maybe Jones, the cornerback, doesn't get paid. Maybe one offensive lineman doesn't get paid. And all of a sudden, instead of having the best offensive line, you get the sixth best offensive line. And instead of having the seventh best defense, you have the 11th best defense. And when the, when that, that stuff starts to erode around you, and you know you just paid a running back huge money, which is terrible business, Zeke gets a little banged up, and then he isn't what he used to be. And now instead of five yards of carry, you got 4.2 yards of carry back there. Then you need your quarterback to elevate the play once you pay that quarterback. Can Dak, Pre- Dak Prescott do that? Right now, I'd lean no. I think that if Dak Prescott was the quarterback of the Bills, the Jaguars, the Vikings, he'd just be a guy who you know who's a backup on your fantasy team. But because he's quarterback of the Cowboys, everyone's got an opinion on it. And that's just the reality of being quarterback for the Cowboys. But they just get 
overrated and inflated whenever they show any sign of life. So they beat New York, Washington, and Miami, and everyone's like, Super Bowl for the Cowboys, MVP for Dak. Slow down. They scored 10 points against the Saints and then got boat raced against the Packers today, even though the game ended up close. That was a domination. So I think they're a wild card team. They'll hang around. Nothing special. But coming up next, when does Jay Gruden get fired? Do the coach and owner disagree on the quarterback of the future? How do you save a once proud franchise and fan base? What the hell's going on with football in our nation's capital? Craig Hoffman covers Washington. He will join us coming up. Now back to the Danny Parkin show. It's a final on Sunday night football. Colts 19 chiefs 13 chiefs, not able to convert the onside kick late and a huge upset in another crazy day for NFL survivor pools. Bears losing to the Raiders in London. Chiefs losing to the Colts. Two of the more popular picks in Survivor go out. Massive day for fantasy football. Tons of points scored by high-profile players everywhere. But a double-digit favorite has lost at home. And now there was one. The undefeated New England Patriots sit atop the AFC and the NFL once again. I will say... I don't think much of anything has changed here in terms of the AFC playoff picture. I still fully expect it to be Chiefs Patriots in Foxborough for the AFC championship game. And we'll see where we go from there in terms of who wins. But Tyreek Hill not available. Eric Fisher, the former number one pick, the left tackle not available. Tons of injuries for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes getting banged up in the game. So I think the AFC picture still remains the same. The NFC is a straight-up mess. One of the messiest is the situation in our nation's capital. Let's go to Craig Hoffman now joins us. He covers the Washington football team, 106.7, the fan in D.C. They got blown out today by the Patriots, but the big-picture stuff is much more interesting. Craig Hoffman with me on CBS Sports Radio and the Radio.com app. Craig, what's up, man? Thanks for the time. You got it, Danny. How's, how's it going, man? It's going really well. I uh, saw you dipped out of that Nationals playoff game early. That seems like it was the smart decision. Yeah, so did their chances of winning the game. So, you know, I just decided to go with them. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. So, do you think Jay Gruden's key card is going to work tomorrow? I think he'll get in the building. The question is if he'll get taken away from him when he gets there. I, I think that he's going to wind up staying. Um, I, I, I definitely did not think that this morning, but I think that the way they played in the first half, the fact that this team hasn't quit on him is going to be enough to save his job for right now. I mean, I don't know how long this is going to go. It is certainly an untenable situation when every single week there are rumors about a coach's job. But, uh, I mean, the way they played in the first half, the way they didn't quit, the way that their offense – clearly had a plan um they didn't execute very well and they're facing a historically great defense and in some ways it's not even fair to judge them on this week but i do wonder if there's other force changes things like their defensive coordinator greg mandusky who could go uh, because there's real frustration in the building with a defensive unit that they thought was going to be pretty good that is giving up about 30 points per game well can you give us the background here because when i see a story that says that dwayne haskins thinks that he was the owner's pick and not the coach's pick 
And then the coach, after playing him, goes to Colt McCoy. That seems to give that rumor some validity. Like, where is the tension and the awkwardness specifically within the organization? So, none of what you just said is incorrect, but it's not as bad, I think, as it sounds. Um, and I'll try to explain, and you can tell me if I do a good enough job uh, or not. But basically, they knew the football people. So, Jay Gruden their college scouts, their, you know, the, the personnel people knew that Dwayne Askins was not a guy that was going to come in with the 15th pick and be ready to play right away. It's just not who he is. The, the style of offense they ran at Ohio State, while there were some concepts that carried over, his, what he was doing at Ohio State was not going to work in the NFL. And so that's why a guy like Jay Gruden, who was coaching for his job, did not want Dwayne Haskins at 15. That said, once he was you know, drafted, they've done as much as they can while also understanding that he's not ready to play right now and trying to develop him. Jay actually likes Dwayne a lot as a kid, his personality and how he is around the building and all that kind of stuff they love. Um, but Dwayne, you know, Dwayne's just not ready. I mean, what's, what's pretty blatant from watching the game last week where he gets in against the Giants, after Case Keenum is both injured and terrible, is that he is not ready to, to do anything in the NFL. He can't call the plays, man. He nevertheless run them. And so there's tension on, on some level there where there is an external and to a point internal push to go to Dwayne Haskins. But the reality is all of the people involved in actually executing that decision, unless it is dictated to them, know that they have no shot of winning a game that he plays. Now, I think it does get to a point where you do wonder if you just go ahead and take those lumps, and I, I would think that getting past New England uh, is probably that point. You're 0-5 going to Miami where you have a soft landing spot for him. Uh, I think that might be the point where you just bite the bullet. But the, the tension comes from the fact that a player was taken with a pick that really shouldn't be taken at that pick, and now the coaching staff has to deal with it. We're talking to Craig Hoffman. He covers the Washington football team for 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Now, see, I am not a believer that he has to play right now if the system is going to change because I think that could actually stunt his development. We saw it when Jared Goff played before he was ready with Jeff Fisher and that archaic system with the Rams. We saw it here in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky playing with Dow Loggins and John Fox's archaic system. So if they're going to fire Jay Gruden and then hire the offensive innovative coach who's going to develop Dwayne Haskins, that's fine. They should do that, and they can keep sitting Haskins. What I don't get is why they would force the quarterback on the coach if the coach didn't like the quarterback. Uh, because the people making that decision aren't very good at making football decisions. Okay. And it's really that simple. I mean, Bruce Allen's record is terrible. Dan Snyder's record is terrible. And, you know, the, I will say this about Dwayne and where he is with his development right now. It's not about the system Jay Gruden's running. Jay Gruden's not running an archaic system. Go ask Bill Belichick, which we did on the conference call this week, about the Redskins' offensive system. It's one of the best in the league. Jay, is, as a play designer, is as good as it gets. The problem is he has nobody running it. Like, their talent is terrible, which goes to the, against the front office. And for Dwayne, you know, it, it's not just about knowing their plays. You have to get to the line of scrimmage in any system and understand what the defense is trying to do. 
You have to understand if it's man or zone. You have to understand what kind of front you're seeing. Those kinds of things Dwayne Haskins can't do. It's really bad. Like, basic stuff where you give man zone indicators based off of motion, and I know that might get complicated for some people. Basically, if you stick a guy in motion, and if someone follows him, it's man coverage. If they don't, it's zone coverage. And Dwayne, they gave him some of that stuff last week, and he couldn't figure it out. He doesn't know where to go with the ball. So it's, it doesn't even matter what play you're running. If you can't figure that out, you can't play in this league. And that's where Dwayne is in his development right now. And so sticking him with any coach is a, is a losing proposition until he learns that stuff, whether it's in the meeting room or by taking a bunch of licks because he, he gets reps and, and gets game reps and doesn't know what he's doing and has to figure it out that way. Craig Hoffman covers Washington for 106.7, the fan in D.C., at Craig Hoffman on Twitter. He's their beat reporter. Hoffman, Dan Snyder, how should I put this? He's kind of a punching bag, right? He's kind of a punch line around the NFL media circles, fan circles. Why is that? Like, where is his influence felt in such a way in the modern day, like I know the old stuff, he threw money at Bruce Smith, he threw money at Deion Sanders, and he's just throwing good money after bad. But in the present day iteration of this football team, where can the blame lie with ownership? So it's clearly not as bad as it used to be in that he does not get involved in football stuff. The problem is he doesn't get involved in getting rid of his top lieutenant whose record is abysmal. Bruce Allen as of December, will have been here a decade, Danny. That's insane. His record, you know, the, the irony is that there was one executive in sports who had as bad of a record and as long of a tenure it, running in, in all of sports. Pick any of the four major sports that I was at least aware of. You might know one that, that was out there, but as far as I know, there was only one guy who was close. And that was Ernie Grunfeld, who was 15 miles down the road running the Wizards. And Ken Leones has finally fired him after, I think it was 16 years in the spring. And the, the, the ownership blame now lies solely in the fact that he has empowered Bruce Allen to do whatever he wants with his football team. And what Bruce Allen has done with his football team is create consistent no-win situations for his players and his coaches. And it's now a decade running. Does the fan base care, or are they checked out? They are fairly checked out. I mean, look, the the fan base here in D.C. was so strong to begin with that there's still a very passionate group of fans that, you know, do care. And I think if they move on from Bruce or move on from Jay or if Dwayne starts winning or whatever it is, like, they'll come back. But for right now, I mean, I'm at, I'm at FedEx Field today and, and looking out at 80, you know, probably 80% Patriots fans. And that's probably the fourth or fifth game in a row that the away fans have outnumbered the home fans, including when the Bears came here on Monday night. Last year, week 17 against Philadelphia was stunning. It was legitimately 85 to 90% green in the most packed stadium they'd had all year. So from a, an attendance standpoint, the apathy is outrageous. Uh, I think fans are a little more checked in than the attendance would say, just because, you know, like, I mean, we're doing well as a radio station. People still care and listen to Redskins topics. And FedEx Field is an absolute disaster that people don't want to go to, even if the team is good. Um, but, yeah, the apathy is that I would say in the 80-plus year of uh, history of the Washington Redskins, since it became like you know, the NFL became any semblance of what it is now, the apathy is at an all-time high. 
Are they bad enough to lose to the Dolphins coming off a bye? Uh, man, the Dolphins are really bad. Um, I, I mean, they are. They're, they're, it's possible. I wouldn't pick the Dolphins, but it's possible. I mean, the Redskins are they're a mess right now um, in, in every single way. They can't run the ball at all. Defensively, they have missed assignments all over the place. Uh, offense, you know, passing game-wise, their talent is really bad. So, yeah, it's possible. Man, what do they do well? Like, give me, give me one bright spot. So they have this kid, Terry McLaurin. Uh, he wears 17. He's a receiver yep. from Ohio State, and he's freaking awesome. He's everything you'd ever dream of in a football player. He's competitive as hell. He's a great leader. Ever Meyer has said he's the best leader he ever coached, and that guy coached Tebow in college. Um, he's 4-3 fast. His route running has gotten way better since he got to the league. He's had 50-plus yards receiving in every single game that he's played. Uh, that kid's awesome, and their punter, Tress Way, should make the Pro Bowl. Ha. Okay, well, from overuse, Craig Hoffman, he covers <laughs> the NFL in our nation's capital. If you care about such a thing, you should follow the man on Twitter, at Craig Hoffman, works for 106.7 The Fan in D.C. Appreciate you coming on after going to a baseball game, man. Thanks for the time. You got it, Danny. Anytime. Have a great show. Thank you. That's Craig Hoffman in D.C., where, by the way, the Nationals getting blown out uh, or did get blown out. It went final 10 to four against the Dodgers. The Dodgers take the two game to one lead in that series. The other National League series Braves on top of the Cardinals three games to one disaster in our nation's capital. Yo, we got to give some love to an under discussed NFL team. Because they're one of the most impressive franchises in the sport through five games. We'll do that coming up and then hear your calls in week five of the NFL. 855-212-4227. Danny Parkinshow, CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.